I don't think your dopamine is intentionally really mean. It's complicated. You're a dick. It's complicated. You're not. <laughs> I was trying Wowzers. to be mean because you said it was trying mean. Trying to be mean. I yeah. said it's not intentionally mean. Well, sometimes I am. Well. The end. I don't yep, think sometimes. that your dopamine, you are intentionally mean. Sometimes dopamine. I love it. Now say sorry. Nope. No, no apologies. Nope. None. No. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of FM Fish ADHD for Grown Ups podcast. My name is Callie, and I am here with, as always, the husby, Lockie Barrett. The husby. The husby. Uh, that's not going to happen. It's a new cool term the kids are using. No, it's definitely husby. not. Husby. No, husband. no. We are, as always, talking about adventures with a late ADHD diagnosis for myself. Apparently not for Lockie yet. Zero. Hmm. We'll see. Um, so yes, as always, we are not professionals. And for today's episode, that is particularly important to remember. This is most definitely not professional advice or anything you should base any of your own lives upon. Resonate, but don't quote us. I thought you were going to do like one of your really like, I don't want to say tacky, but you know, your little sound bites. Resonate, but don't procreate. Also, I thought you were going to do something like that. Well, we did. Resonate, but don't diagnate. Dr. Die's not here. What's that got to do with anything? You can't use a Dr. Die pun. When it she's wasn't. Not here. It was a pun off diagnosis. Diagnate. Exactly. Diagnate. I think what we just learned from this experience right now is that the puns and stuff should be left to me. Guess what we're talking about today? Relationships and sociology. Who is not really in a good place? To, we're certainly not giving relationship advice. That is definitely not what's happening here. However, we have been asked to talk about relationships. Such a big bubble, relationships. There's a lot of topics. Yep. I am bringing up, I'm not, I'm not being distracted. I'm bringing up the question that we had about it. I saw that look. There was zero look. I was doing that thing where I look between this gap here. Look. And I'm trying my microphone up high. I don't think I like it. I was all smug about it before we started recording. I don't think I like it. Does it feel like you're talking like, uh, you're going to have like the crookest neck at the end ow. of this? It feels all echoey. Zero echo. Oh, look at that. I got a message request. Somebody just sent me their contact details for their cleaning lady. Thank you. I really want a cleaner. We're amazing. off to a good start. Yeah, I know. We're off to an amazing start. We are totally off to an amazing start. Smashing it. Wherever. I'm not getting distracted. I'm just looking up the question. Oh, look, cleaning lady. Yeah, I am. Well, it was in the same messenger place. Okay, I found the message. You're in your there. notes. My notes is where I capture all of the questions we have from people. However, this one was really long. So Ooh. don't do that. Stop Ooh. it. Stop it. Just because we've got, we're, we're, we're actually recording this at the moment. It's funny because you're Mo trying to look like, at me, but you can't help but look at yourself every time. And so it is you, weird. I don't like having it there. The it's very odd. It's like I'm going, not keen. I'm going to talk at you, but I'm going to talk at you like this, looking at the camera. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, now well, we're going to be all weird and also it, it feels really far away and it also feels like the angle it's at makes this whole area look like an utter mess well i'm at the kitty desk i've got all the kitty stuff um help send, i tried to send help save it I says help save and then me no it doesn't it says the the earth the planet the environment so let me like. leave the tiny penguin earth yeah this is boring. Relationships. I got the right one. Boom. Yeah, first time ever. All right, but before we get into relationships, what has happened this week? Anything? Have you done anything interesting? I did see a funny thing today that I thought was worth throwing in, Go which in. was saying, um, name a celebrity who you've randomly bumped into. So normally when someone asks a question, Oh, were you, you asking, you said you saw a thing that said, you didn't yeah. say you were actually asking me oh, a question. I was just looking for we're you really to be like, at the communication, oh, look we? at that, good, oh, I've got heaps of things. No, I haven't though. There's Mark Owen, I bumped into Mark Owen, for, oops, sorry, that was, that was marked, was popper. I bumped into Mark Owen once from Take That, remember Mark Owen, Take That? It's very, very, um. Short. 
no, don't say things like that. That's he what might you be said. listening. That's what you told me. He was very but short and he didn't have a lot of nice, he, didn't, he wasn't like, hey, how's your day? No. Won't go into it, but he wasn't like, oh, look, you have he a nice top on. touch my boobs. Yeah, see? <laughs> but that was kind of my fault. Um, no. So what we I'm were, ama- how's it your fault? Because you got boobs. No, because I he was in how a How is pub. that a fault? Let's talk about the bullshit that happens in life with how men are saying that it's women's fault. How is it your fault that he's because gone like this? Excuse me, can I touch your boobs? <laughs> he didn't do that. No, that's not what that's happened. That's not your fault. No, that's not. I'm being, I'm putting my, look, putting my foot down on this one. That's rubbish, <laughs> that's, your fault. Don't put your, I was going to say don't put your thong down, but you're wearing slippers. My slipper. Um, no, that's not what happened. So basically context is that he was, we were in a pub in Hastings in the UK and um, was out with a bunch of people and it was after Take That had kind of, you know, they were over. So it was after that. So it was around about, let's think about it, it would have been early 2000s, right? Anyway, I have, was blissfully unaware that he was there. Now, there are not words to explain the depths and heights of my obsession with Mark Owen when I was younger. So I didn't realise he was there until the people I was with at the time, most of whom were male. Yeah, anyway, so everybody's like, you know, it's Mark Owen over there. And they would, everybody was just being mean. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Now, regular listeners of this podcast will remember, I am not good when it no, comes to celebrities. you would have turned into like a giggly mess. Utter ridiculousness and so i went over to the bar you know trying to be all like cool and i was just like oh well, hi kind of thing and i think i was wearing like a pair of like i don't know low flipping hipster bootcut jeans or whatever it was the early 2000s and a yellow kind of um it was a kukai top but there was no room for a bra underneath you know like i was i would have been what 23 or something ridiculous and so it was very sheer, yellow, very tight, you know, that lycra, tight lycra kind of material kind of crop top thing. Anyway, so I went over to him and I was just like, oh my God, like, hi. That's didn't very start different. Well. Di- yeah. Very different it from didn't what you start just well. No, no, well, it was, it, if, we just, if we just take it that it was not smooth, either way I did it, clearly the first thing was what I was trying to be like, oh my God, hello, so look how just, cool I am. If we just take but that. But actually, I probably came across as. Is probably what I really came across as. And anyway, so I was like, um, so massive fan, absolutely incredible to see you, love you. Again, would not have been in that tone of voice. It would have been like, oh, I was like a massive fan. It would have been like that, right? Sorry, everybody, for your dogs there. Um, anyway, so I said, and he would clearly, he clearly did not want to talk to me. Like everything about his body language was, please fuck off and leave me alone. And so I did not take that on board and decided to keep... Didn't take that. I'll pay that one. Yeah, okay, boom. Um, But decided to keep bothering him. Um, And so I was just like, can I just like give you a cuddle or a hug or something? And he was like, clearly didn't want me to and had made it very clear up to that point he wanted me to fuck off. And he was like, only if I can touch your boobs. That was basically That's what That's still not an excuse. No, it, it was, I think, no. no, I think it was fair. And I know, I think it was about, no, stop it. I think it was about highlighting the fact that I had overstepped his boundaries that he had clearly set. And so he was pissed off and was like, you know what? If you're going to be a rude bitch, I'm going to be a rude bitch. That's nah. clearly, and also you have to, okay, the other thing I didn't quite mention, there were many people in the pub that were being mean. And he would, have, he would have been very clear that it was being mean. So anyway, the best bit is my response was... <gasps> no, it was worse than that. Um, so this thing where I always think I'm really funny and actually I'm just really fucking awkward. Excuse me. Were you like, let me bend down so I can make it easy for you? No, I just said... Well, normally I'd say yes, but my boyfriend's over there. Word for word. Mm-hmm. As if I would ever have said yes, trying to think I'm being funny or somehow freaking cool. 
just made an utter dick of myself. Yep, that's the way it was. That's how it went down. And he was just like, I want to stab you in your face. Like you could see the look on his face was just like, all right, well, now you've made an utter tit of yourself, pun intended. So why don't you even, even more so just fuck off now? So, yeah. yeah. So, right? Yeah. Going. Yep. So he was wearing a tea cozy on his head. I'm just looking to see what Mark Owen's doing now to see if he peaked. No, he were they the whole take that thing happened again recently. They were doing all sorts of things. He was worth forty million. Maybe he should have. I really don't don't think that. Even if I had thrust my bosoms into his unwilling hands, he I still wouldn't have had any access to forty million. I feel like he's got small hands. Again, not sure what that would have to do with it, but sure. Excuse me, miss. Stop it. You should not be so mean. Last week, you picked on... No, the week before, you picked on Shana for her height. Not the week, because I always think we're still doing weekly episodes. Zero time... Timeline You told me that Mark Owen was short, so I'm just telling you the truth. But also, let's not pick on short people, please. I feel like you're just defending him. You still love Mark Owen. So, relationships. Anyway, I thought you were going to tell your cooler story about Pink, but you know... Well, oh yeah, no. Nah. the boob story. Didn't I tell the story about Pink already on this podcast? No, I, I think I, I did. I but did she a, was in Adelaide, and I the dog headbutted her. I did a Shana. I didn't listen. <laughs> oh, really? yeah. I just watched. Um, <laughs> I just watched on TikTok. Um, uh, there is a TikTok creator called. Hang on, I'm just going to find it. Uh, Mammy Banter. It's called. M-A-M-M-Y, Mammy Banter, because um, she's got 1.9 million followers. She is good. Um, But it's an Irish woman who does lots of skits where she basically pretends to be lots of different kids as well as grown-ups. And very funny. And anyway, I can't remember why I started saying that. Well, this has been fun for everyone. Yep, that was great. Good conversation. Is that the button you intended to press? Yep, because that was just a waste of time. So what was the question that came through? Oh, are we going to that already? Okay, well, we cool. we as well. All right, sure. It says, a friend just sent me your podcast after talking about it at Camera Centre and holy shit, eye-opening. Couldn't stop listening around the shops today. First, I thought it was scary about how much I relate, but listening to you guys talk about it has actually normalised how I feel about it now. So thank you. I'm sure I'll have a very long number, extra comments to make as I continue listening. Just a quick question. Do you two at all talk about your relationship as a whole during the podcast and all the things you've overcome or acknowledged? Hey, this isn't working. Why and how can we fix it? Because you seem like a great match. I'm not going to lie. I kind of laughed at this point. And it's apparent that communication is a big part of your relationship. I'd be interested to know how your further understanding of your situation and ADHD diagnosis has been and has there been any overestimated knowledge or projected expectations on each other? So, yeah, so that's the question for this week. So how do we open that up? Uh, Well, why don't we firstly talk about how good we are at communicating? I will open by saying I wish with where we are now... I wish that we had started this 13 years ago. The podcast or the ADHD journey? Well, podcast would be awesome 13 years ago, but I don't think it would be hitting the same mark. But the ADHD journey, because technically, what are we, like eight months in, seven months in? Nearly a year. It's not nearly a year. It is. It was Check your dates. It was March. It's been a steep learning curve in the last, since May. Do you think it's come too late? Do you think it's too late down the track for us to really do anything meaningful with it? Nothing's ever too late. People can change their jobs. People can decide to get their license to drive a car. People can, you know, choose to do anything. People can decide My brother to take can't. up. He still hasn't got his license. Yeah, but he chooses not to. I think he's like in his 30s and he still can't drive. I don't think it's too late because people can change every aspect of their life at a later period in time. It just makes it not as easy as it is in the beginning. Okay, so he said the things we've overcome or acknowledged, hey, this isn't working, why and how can we fix it? 
I think we've talked about before about how it definitely made us feel there was a light at the end of the tunnel after going through a particularly bad period of our relationship. And what I think is particularly interesting is, I mean, we're, we've been together 13 years and I think at that point, every relationship, you know, at some point, I mean, it's a long time, right? They say seven years, don't they? I don't know. They used to say the whole seven-year itch, but is that still a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I don't think any relationship gets to this point without having some fairly significant issues. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that everybody nearly breaks up or separates or anything. I'm not saying that. But I think the idea of a happily ever after isn't real. Marriages take work, all relationships take work, and all relationships evolve. I think the the trick or the challenge is whether or not the two people evolve in the same can, direction. Can, or can evolve together and accept each other as they go. Well, I don't, I don't think it's about accepting each other. I think we have. So um, in response to part of this question about us being a good match, like that absolutely, we absolutely have things that are a good match. But I think potentially our fundamental approaches to relationships are very different. You want the whole, you want me to need you. Whereas for me, wanting to be with somebody is far more powerful than needing to be with somebody. And we've always had that kind of dissonance in our relationship where I'm fiercely independent and you want us to be less independent and much more together. And I think that's what comes along with the fact that, say, 12 years, 12 years without a diagnosis, mm -hmm. we had a certain way of figuring things out or putting attention in certain areas or trying to fix things in certain ways and they just didn't work in any, in any of those factors. They just they couldn't work. They were like Band-Aids in the rain. They're always going to just peel off, right? Band-Aid in the rain, that sounds like a song. Yeah. That like Shakira. It's very, very or musical. Miley Cyrus um, would potentially do a song. She wouldn't do band-aids in the rain. No, I bet she would. Yeah, no, I feel like that would be something Miley Cyrus might do in her current but iteration. It, but not so much. But I think the way that we have grown over those, say, twelve years and then where we are now this year later, I think there's elements are different. Depends on the way your day is going. You don't want me to be always in in your space. Nope. But you don't like it when I'm not in your space. Incorrect. Not incorrect. It is totally incorrect. It's not because if I go and plan something or if I go to go do something. Ah, no. Okay, wrong. Say Sorry, say what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say but the listeners don't. Say what you're going to say. I was going to say if I go to plan something or I go to do something, it's, it's difficult because for a very long time I couldn't make plans because I was always the nighttime guy with the kid and so I felt restricted by that. So that was your choice. And so there's a couple of things, and we should relate this back to the ADHD stuff, right? So firstly, the ADHD definitely has uh, oops, creaky creak, an impact in that I definitely like to have a decompression space. Okay, That is definitely a thing where, and I get bored very, very easily. What you're saying about how if you try to make, or I I don't want you not there and if you make plans etc where we have argued is when you say last minute without any notification whatsoever by the way i'm off now bye and that's when i get shitty and i'm like well hang the fuck on there is a routine that we have in place and you don't give me any notice and again that's the adhd thing where i've already planned the entire next 24 hours i live 24 hours in advance generally in my head because of the fact that i'm so freaking anxious and i get so panicky about missing something i need to make sure even though i lose track of time throughout that 24 hours i need to make sure i know what's going to be happening and so when i don't when i forget like with um, the birthday last Saturday where Shana's little boy's birthday, we uh, completely forgot about it. And that is something you and I are going to have a chat about in a minute, actually. Um, but like we, you know, I need to know what's coming up so that 
I'm not then completely sideswiped by it. So when you sideswipe me with five minutes notice, it absolutely throws my equilibrium out of balance. That is a thing. That's the difference between our personalities in that you plan that 24 hours in advance and you can change the aspects that you want to for your side. Isn't there a part of you that just wants to go, fuck yes, he's going out and I don't have to deal with it. No, because that's the response you could have. You'd be like, good, get out of my face. No, because go, go out. that's not what happens. When you come down in and the evening like after the kids gone to bed, dancing and stuff. after the kids have gone to bed and after everything else and you say that, then it's like, okay, cool, see you later. It's when you then do something that has an impact on our entire routine, that's when I'm like, no. And also nearly every time when that happens, I have five minutes or, or ten minutes actually probably of processing through and going okay cool so let me now restage the next 24 hours and then once I've done that then I come back to you almost every single time and say okay cool look just go do it that's fine and I said to you the other day I have really been thinking about this and I've realized when I have that reaction to you it's because you've said something you haven't communicated with me and I don't know what's going on. So then you throw me off balance and it literally feels like you've, th- you've pushed me and thrown me off balance. And so I need then to reset. And so but that just reset, communicate with me. That reset doesn't come with a pause and then a contemplation of the reset. That reset comes with a volcanic eruption. Which is the ADHD. It always ends up with just being a... Just go then. Just go off and do it. And by then I've just gone, well, from that reaction, no, I'm not going to do it because I don't feel in the mood to do it now. But as human beings, we always focus on the things that we don't like or the problems as opposed to the good things that happen. So going back to the question that we had, so I'd be interested to know how your further understanding of your situation and ADHD diagnosis has been and has there been any overestimated knowledge or projected expectations on each other? It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts as well. But I think that, and I've mentioned it before, there is a real tendency, or no, tendency is the wrong word. There is a real risk that when a diagnosis comes into play, and this this particular listener, his fiance is going through a diagnosis, and when a diagnosis comes into play, there's a real risk that suddenly that's the be-all and end-all. That's the cause and the solution and everything else of all the problems in your relationship, right? And I think it's really important that you don't fall into that trap. It's important that your partner is not made to feel like their diagnosis is to blame for any and every relationship or any and every problem or issue that comes up in your relationship. What the diagnosis does It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card for being a wanker and it's also not a convenient scapegoat for every every problem that exists in a relationship. What it is, it is it gives you a whole new set of understanding, tools, etc. for potentially finding solutions to communicate more effectively or to put strategies in place to manage your relationship more effectively. I think that's what it is. I certainly have, you know, I think in our relationship, I've experienced a lot of frustration in feeling like the diagnosis has is the scapegoat for everything. And I know, Lockie, you've obviously experienced different frustrations as well. And perhaps that comes out to the overestimated knowledge or projected expectations on each other. I think part of the process is learning how to change habits because you automatically react and respond to things in certain ways. And that's just human science, the way that we have been brought up. Everyone's got a different upbringing in the way they respond to, you know, frustration, anger, shame, guilt, um, loneliness. Everyone responds in a different way in the way that they've learned to do so. So then when you throw another element in, it's not about saying that that's that's the scapegoat. It's about going, okay, so how do I communicate this knowing that if I say the wrong word or if I react the wrong way? I do think this is where potentially some of the neurodivergence comes into play 
because once I've told you something, I expect you to do it immediately. Yeah, but right? it's, not, it's not a switch. No, but it should be because for me it is. And so going yeah. back to that neurodivergence, for you is exactly that's else. what I'm that's saying. That's the hard thing about but it. But that's what I'm saying. That's literally what I'm trying to talk about. That difference between the neurodivergence and neurotypical thing is that when there is something that's like, okay, well, that's in the bad bucket. We don't do that anymore. That's in the bad bucket. It's done. So when it then is four years later and you're still doing a thing, to me, I'm like, well, this is clearly you're doing it on purpose, which when I'm able to then decenter and step away from that, clearly you're not doing it on purpose. But again, that whole emotion, oops, emotional dysregulation and in fact, I don't even want to call it that because I think when I say that, you immediately then dismiss it then as being irrelevant or unimportant or not real. But obviously one of the things with ADHD is that you are less able to feel the rage and not let some of that rage out. And so when I'm there thinking that you're doing something on purpose, clearly that makes me feel the rage. And I get that. And like I said, you have to unlearn a thing that you've always done. This is, I just kind of want to apologize to the listeners. This is, ends up. It's real. It like is a, promised real. We have promised real. I will be honest, like I am incredibly emotional right now. And I have tears. I've had tears now that I've been holding back for quite some time. And I'm going to keep holding them back, but I'm feeling quite... Um, but um, one thing I will say for our listener, and I think if nothing else, perhaps people going through a diagnosis journey or where maybe their partner has been diagnosed or if you're somebody who's been diagnosed late yourself. I've thought about this a lot since this question came in because I wanted to be able to give a good response. And the way this kind of sits for me, and it won't necessarily be for everybody, but I think when you have a late diagnosis of ADHD or other neurodivergence, you've spent your life feeling guilt and shame about yourself, about how you exist in the world, about your behaviours. Um, I've explained before that I was five when and I remember it so clearly. That's how I know I was five when I realised I wasn't likeable and I needed to be different. I needed to exist differently in order to be liked. And that comes with a lot of guilt and shame. And I found, and I think part of this is exacerbated by my age because I'm listening to a podcast called 40, which is incredible and I love it. And I say incredible because it's helping me to redefine my, um, you know, the whole thing when you get to 40 and you're basically told that as a 40 year old woman you're basically irrelevant in the world and that's it your life's old uh, over and if you're lucky you're you'll have children and they will give you grandchildren and that's that pretty much for you but I find that since my diagnosis I'm less inclined to accept the guilt and the shame and so any attempts to make me feel guilty or ashamed I rebel against them now and so nowadays I find we clash a lot in some ways because I simply, since the diagnosis, since going through the process and going, you know what, I never needed to waste so much of my life and my emotions, so many spoons on the guilt and the shame. And so now, as soon as I feel it start to kick in, I reject it. And I reject whatever it is that led me to feel that way. You know, that's not saying I'm being completely fucking selfish because I'm still, you know, attempt to just be a good human, the whole don't be a dick kind of life motto. But if somebody then comes in over the top and it's not just obviously in relationship wise, like it's in broader life as well and tries to make me feel bad about something that is either beyond my control or just really unnecessarily guilt-ridden, then I'm like, okay, cool. Well, this is what it is. If you don't like it, then that's fine. I think the quality in this conversation is that other people are experiencing these exact same things. 
And it just goes to show that it is normal and that everyone will have some sort of hurdle they need to jump. And there is no manual for, Do we think it's normal? for anything in life. You read a, child, a raising children book. No one can tell you what your child's going to be like. Do there's, we legitimately think it's normal? There's, there's tips and tricks. But every relationship has a thing and how you overcome that is personal to your own relationship. On the shame or guilt thing, um, thing happened last weekend. As I mentioned, it was Shana's who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It was her little boy's fifth birthday and she had organised it in advance. Now, I'll just say I am not good with organising things really far in advance. I'm good with on the day, which again plays into the thing we were talking about earlier. Don't tell me immediately. Give me at least a couple of hours notice um, or preferably like a day before is my is my preferred thing. Do you want to do a thing tomorrow? Yes, I'd love to. That's my favourite time frame. Bless her cotton socks. And I say it like this because I know that I am shocking at arranging stuff in advance. She had arranged this birthday party a couple of weeks in advance. And I was like, yes. And I wrote it on the calendar and I had it in my phone and I had it everywhere. On the day of the party, <laughs> I woke up at, I think it was about 4.45 in the morning. Um, gross. Um, and... I was like, I need to reorganise my bookcase. I've got to do it. And so I got out of bed at about 5.30, came downstairs, our bookcase, you can see some of it in the background of this uh, video if we've got this video bit up. But in the background of the book, um, sorry, in the bookcase, it's quite extensive. We've got hundreds of books on there. Um, I needed to redo it because I'd colour-coded it, which, was, which looked lovely. Everybody's always like, oh, my God, your books look lovely. Unfortunately, I could never find anything. Um, and I don't get them very often, but occasionally I do want to find a book because I usually use my Kindle. Anyway, so I was doing that. It got to about 12 o'clock. It was just after 12 o'clock. The party had started at 11. And Shana rings me and is like, oh, hey, when are you guys coming over? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Um... And went immediately into a shame spiral. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like I literally, and I was just, I got up at five o'clock. I just, I had to redo my bookcase. And she just laughed and just was like, yep, yeah, no, I get it. Obviously, there's still a part, like she has ADHD, so she gets it. However, and we haven't spoken about this, if that was me, I'd be like, oh, my God, I totally get it. But at the same time, there'd be that part of me. We all still have rejection sensitivity as people with ADHD. Um, and so I just I, I felt dreadful, but not dreadful to the extent that I normally would because she actively tried to stop me feeling guilty, which I appreciated more than she will ever know. Um, but the reason for this story Lachlan John Barrett is because when I called you because you'd gone out because I was like doing the bookcase and you and um, the small child had realized that it just wasn't worth existing in the place in the house with me I had taken over the entire lounge room with various piles of books and when I spoke to you, you when you came back eventually you were like oh yeah no I knew that was on today no I said I know it's on the calendar no you said I knew that was on the calendar no. for today yeah, so no, you, actually, you actually said the word today because and I was like, if you knew, why did you not say something? And I get that you're saying, no, I thought that was his actual birthday because the day of the party wasn't his actual birthday. However, I was just like, why didn't you say something? Because on the calendar around that date is a whole bunch of other names that say person's birthday. And there wasn't like a little kid's birthday party at this time. This is a fair point. However. And so my breeze passed, I was aware, but there was no, because you write everything on the calendar to remind yourself, mm -hmm. there was no time, there was nothing for me to reference to Did know. Did I not put a time on there? No. Are you there sure? was nothing I'm gonna go for check. me Should to Should I go reference. check? Are you going to be, are you absolutely convinced if I go check Do that it. there's no time? And I'll accept it either way. There was no time to, to state Check it. 
that we were doing a thing. And so because it's around all the other things that just say person's birthday, I can only make the assumption that it was just a record of a birthday on a calendar. Can confirm there was no time. Yep. And so what I did Damn it. was I did see that and I know you're ready to tell me off about it and you still probably think I'm no. still to blame for it. I don't actually. But I acknowledged no, I your hyperfixation on the bookcase and took the child out. Which I very much appreciate. So that you could have your space. Yeah, I did appreciate that. No, I don't find you That's at all to blame for it. It's just when I you said it, I was do. just like, oh, you are kidding me. Um, but no, anyway, so we eventually got there at, I mean, it's party start at 11. We got there at 1.30, I think. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I feel bad, but I feel what I, f- what I think is a normal level of bad rather than the utter self-hatred that comes normally with missing something. How much were you hoping there was a time on the calendar? I was really yeah, hoping see? there was a time on the calendar. You were already setting it up I ready was, to say there was no, a time. I was hoping. You didn't remind me. I was hoping. I was up at however, five and you didn't remind me. No. That's what you were hoping for. All right, so let's have a look at, because we're on a bit of time here, let's have a look at some a couple of things that came up on Instagram this week. Knowing that we were going into a relationship um, episode from a couple of weeks ago, um, I saw these and thought I would save them. Then I lost them, but now I found them again. Um, so there were a couple of things um, on Instagram. So Cody Sanchez... Uh, is who I saw it on, on Instagram about, I think it was about three weeks ago. Um, so that, you know, I'd saved it ahead of the last episode, but then we decided to do, um, the last episode, uh, on other things instead of this. It says every night, my husband and I do this one thing. It's called the team formula. So T-E-A-M. It may completely change your relationship. It did for hours. Now, the reason I've picked this one and the next one are because they are kind of simple. Um, and I think they need to be simple for people to do them. So this one says we are we're incredibly busy with tanks on empty and not enough time for each other. Um, so our friend Brandy recommended one daily action. It's called Team. It takes 10 minutes a night. You sit down, grab a glass of wine. Oh, my God, glass of wine every night. That does not seem healthy. And do the team check-in. So T stands for touch. So I have not shown you this yet, Lockie. So please respond how you think. I don't think this will work for us. However, I do think it could potentially work for other people, other neurodivergent people, which is why I'm mentioning it. It depends on what your things are. Yeah. Um, in terms of your collaboration between neurodivergent love languages or your neurotypical neurodivergent lang- love languages and Very how you accept things. Very good point. Yeah. So T is for touch. Hold hands, sit next to each other on the couch. Remind yourselves with touch you're in this together. Now, it's important here that the touch is not a sexual touch. It is just touch. It's got a side note. When Chris and I are mad at each other, we jokingly barely touch one fingertip like E.T. E is for education. You share one thing each that you learned that day that was interesting, a fact, a hard truth, whatever. It's a chance for novelty and endorphins when we expand our brains. That's stupid. But yes, share one thing you learned that day that was interesting. Um, Then A is for appreciation. You share one thing you appreciate about the other. Um, And, you know, this will be different depending on how happy or pissed off you are. Um, Only rule is points for creativity and you can't keep using the same one. M is for metrics. Now, seriously, they desperately wanted this team acronym because none of this freaking worked. Can I just say, honestly, the first one should have been T, okay, T for touch. Then E, education. How about share, T-S? And then appreciation, that's fine, T-S-A. And then metrics. 
Metrics, listen to what metrics is, stupid. You'll read it first. Usually when you're upset, you tell them at that moment. It gets naggy 321 times a day. With the check-in, you wait or write down and bring it to this time. It means you don't fight when elevated, but you always get to explain your point. Metrics was huge for us. It meant me, a hot-blooded Latina, wouldn't get emotional. It meant Chris, a military hardo, what, wouldn't get dictatorial. We let cooler heads prevail and now we kind of treasure our check-in. So I think what it means is, basically, you hold hands or touch fingers if you're pissed. You tell each other something generic, something that is, hey, I found this out today, which is not about your relationship. You then say, here's a thing I like about you. Finally, you say, and here's the things that you've done today that maybe I'm not overly happy about. So metrics is stupid. It literally means nothing about what that is about. It can be about complaints, maybe. So T-S-A-C, SAC. Obviously, not as good an acronym as TEAM. So shove the acronym up your ass. That's what annoyed me about it. I think now that I'm saying I'm confused sack, now. Are you promoting it? Or are well, you... I'm confusing myself. I actually think there is a good thing about it, right? It's fairly straightforward. But I think the acronym they chose is stupid. However, I obviously liked it enough to save it three weeks ago. It's right? a way of de-escalating and creating a conversation. Yes. And it's saying, all right, I'm touching you because... Now, I think for me, the touch thing is probably not a thing. So I would be like, okay, let's sit here and put the phones down or stay focused. So for me, focus would be a thing rather than touch. Then there's the whole sharing of something called but also, pebbling. How long can you sit in one space without doing another thing? I'm not very good at that. That's so right. that wouldn't work. The However, focus thing the, no, the work. focus would because focus is still a thing. Even if I'm moving around, like I say to the people I work with, I think better while moving. So my focus is actually stronger when I've got something else my body can do while my mind focuses on whatever the discussion is. So... I often will stand up and I'll be writing on post-its or whatever because my body is doing the action of writing so that my brain is free to focus on the conversation. Whereas if my body's not doing that, that energy is sitting in my body disrupting my brain and really taken away from my focus. So even if I'm moving around, I could do laps of the sofa while you're sitting on it. Or I could tidy the bookcase. Like so often, stalking the sofa while I stand, sit on it. Possibly, um, but like often, I will clean the kitchen while we're talking. Cleaning the kitchen helps me to focus on whatever the conversation is. See the prop, that, and that's where that's where like an initial clash is because touch is a massive thing for me, uh-huh. and that's you know for various reasons. But yeah, so. It, that's where the clash of NTND love languages needs to find a happy medium. Yeah. I think there's definitely a clash between the NTND thing. And it's not impossible. It's there's not always, insurmountable. And that's why I asked but right back at the beginning, did we find out too late? Because we have very established habits and behaviours. Whereas these guys, I think they're finding out much earlier in their relationship, which means they can actually build it into the foundations of their relationship. No, but that's the thing. You have to keep building because as you grow, like you said, you didn't want to get married. Mm -hmm. We got married. Looking back now, would you ever want to get married? Pause. That means no. No, it doesn't. It means that I'm actually giving you the respect of putting the real thinking into that question you've just asked. I think if I put it back on myself, because I can, I was brought up, taught that marriage is the thing. Uh You get married. That's it. You get married and that's how you show your devotion to someone. Uh But I'm a lot older now. And I've taken time to look into that over the last year or so. And marriage isn't the... It's not fairy tale. The develop, It's not happy ever the after. Way, the way marriage came about was very much 
the ownership and selling of women. Yep. And they had to then subsequently be devoted and it was almost like slavery of marriage. Yep. Now, I'm not putting it, if anyone at all, the idealistic vision of marriage and that's what they want to do, 100% respect that. Yep. Everyone's choice about how they live their life and what it means to them is 100% their choice and that, that's supported. I will not ever say anything bad against that. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was brought up thinking marriage was it. But marriage is all about the selling of women to a, another person for property or for wealth or for... Um, status. Status in the hierarchy mm -hmm. um, or for, you know... To collective, collective trade um, for forces. building, yep. Um, building and empires then or building. It became a religious thing, which is still the same thing. The woman mm -hmm. became the ownership of a man. And that's just not the way marriages are now. And I think with a lot of people, if they got married or not, it doesn't change a thing. Nope. At all, because no. if you choose your person, you choose your person. I think marriage is nice. I'm glad I, I'm glad we got married. So firstly, the answer to your question, I am glad we got married. Would I... I don't know. I don't know if I would ever get married again. So like if what, you know... God forbid something ever happened to you or, um, you You're know. not planning my demise, are you? No, um, you don't have enough life insurance. So um, if anything like that, I don't think I'd ever, I don't know if I'd ever get married again. I think when you have those massive endorphins of love in the beginning, I think it's nice. I think it's nice to get married. I do. I think it's nice. I think that the biggest killer in a relationship are the expectations you have of each other. And so I think it's really important to set those expectations and be real about what those expectations are. And I, I, I always found it really interesting when people were like, you know what? The same amount of jobs or same amount of work that I have to do as a single person or a single parent is no less than what I used to have to do with my husband or partner. Or, you know, sorry, I said husband. That was a horribly heteronormative thing to say. But my, you know, partner. like partner. And so, but when that partner left or I left that partner, the jobs were still the same, but my frustration about them was a lot less because I had fewer expectations. And I feel that is a really important thing for people to, you know, be aware of, I guess. I think what people have to be aware of too in relationships is that relationships need to grow and adapt because as people, we change. And yep. I mean, one of the things if you Google about relationships and it, you will end up going down a rabbit hole of clicking on all the links, you'll end up with um, relationship statistics with divorce, uh, twice as many as neurotypical people. And then it goes into this whole reason as to why people get divorced. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think what it comes down to is people don't grow with each other, but then because we grow on our own, we don't adapt it into our relationships. Um you know, in that sense that another rabbit hole is relationships and monogamy mm -hmm. with ADHD because ADHD people get bored. Mm -hmm. They say one of the things is they get bored and so they seek that mm -hmm. dopamine, that excitement again. Um, but that, even if you're looking, if you're bored in a relationship, you can have a conversation and I guess the whole purpose of it is if you're growing and changing, it's it's kind of like... Relationship takes work. So when do I get my promotion? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like when, when does that next thing change? And if you look at it from a work perspective, how many times do you change your job and mm -hmm. change your outlook on the way that is something that you want to do? Yep. So similarly, you have to do that in your relationship. If you're going to change your focus or you're going to do a different thing, then you can still take your person with you. It just has to be spoken about in terms of how that works between the two people involved. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. I try to occasionally. Yeah. Um, there's a whole thing, side quest, um, there's a whole thing about um, ADHD and very high rates of queerness. And, uh, you know, I do kind of think, like, as you know, I think 
like men in makeup is really attractive like that whole kind of i really like like drag queen i love i love them like i think non-binary people are incredibly attractive people you do know what i mean like i don't but i don't know if it's because they're living their authenticity and that's what's so attractive to me people who are just being authentic but like i don't know like i i i kind of go i think you objectively are incredibly attractive but the thing is too like, act, as you were, as. as you were saying like if you if you go down that frame of the statistics of ADHD and queerness and people who do who are proud and who have Sorry. gone down that process of being I'm queer and I'm okay with it mm. There's been a lot of people who have not been okay and lived through generations of people who were unable to say that. Mm. Um, And so if there are statistics where that's higher now, it's completely understandable, just like there's statistics of there's more ADHD diagnosis now. It's completely understandable. So while you're learning to live with your ADHD diagnosis, there are going to be elements of your life that you realise are things that you want to explore or you want to, you know, at least look into because you haven't, felt safe or okay or didn't understand what they meant. I mean, it should be a safe space where if someone comes to you in the, your relationship and says, hey, you know what, I've been kind of feeling like I want to, you know, how are you? how is someone else offended by that? Because if someone wants to see and learn and grow and they're coming to you to talk to you about it, mm. you live this life once. So you need to try everything once. Yeah. You need to do if, if you feel a need to explore something, what do you lose? Yeah. You do something, you try something, you learn, okay, I didn't like that. Like I think salt and vinegar chips are the worst. Sorry for if I'm going to lose fans, but I think salt and vinegar chips are Lulz, the worst you think you have chips. fans, Lols. We don't have fans. Have you been stalked yet? We do not have fans. I've been stalked. We have I, I've been slightly followed. sympathetic people I who have, think we're I okay. I think salt and vinegar chips are the worst chip created. And... Get in the bin. Although I read um, something the other day, which was, why do we still make light and tangy chips? Because light and tangy are not flavours. They're not. Tangy is kind of a flavour. No, tangy is a thing. Tangy is not a flavour. Tangy is a flavour. Tangy is not a flavour. Something's tangy. You know, when somebody says it's tangy, you know what that means. Yeah, but you could be like, but oh, that, that, be, that bin's what would a, bit, be the word? That a bit tangy. What word would you use instead of tangy? What other thing could potentially describe what tangy is? I think they're just herby. Tangy is not herby. Tangy is not herby. What flavour is tangy? Tangy is generally vinegary. No. Yeah. It's that sharpness. Vinegar is poo. That's what tangy is. Vinegar is poo. Vinegar is is not poo. Poo is not sharp. I've never tasted poo, but I don't think it would be sharp. It is the worst flavour chips of all time. Yes, but let's go back to the fact that vinegar is my favourite flavour. If there is a flavour, tangy is my favourite sensation. Well, you do know in some countries they would call me tangy. The reason why I have this adverseness to um, salt and vinegar, oh, did it again, to vinegar is because when I first moved out of home, um, I managed to stay with a lovely older couple and they would drown a salad in vinegar. And I, worse, and I would have to eat it. I'd have to sit there and eat this whole massive bowl of salad. And so I have a pure dislikeness. I was poor as fuck and my dad thought the best thing to do to make spaghetti bolognese because he can't cook was to put flavours of cordial in as... Yeah, that's an Australian thing though. Apparently a lot of Australians do that. No one makes a pina colada flavour bloody bolognese or a lime flavour or an orange mango flavour. I've definitely heard lime going in and the raspberry one. It is the worst thing. And I'm not saying that, you know, it was fresh. So my dad would make up a slab. Oh, just side quest here. Do, 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 side quest. He'd make up the biggest pot of bolognese with a splash of cordial and then he would put it all in long containers and you'd be like, what's for dinner tonight? And he'd take it out of the freezer and he would smash a knife through it, pop it in the microwave and it would stay in a cube. <laughs> that was dinner. What's for dinner again? And cut another thing off and it would stay a cube. Like it yep. It was. We used to have a lot of beans on you know toast. What? I'm still alive. I we used to have it. a lot of beans on toast. Why didn't you just have beans on toast? It would have been cheaper than that. Because I don't like beans. See, that's a you problem. 
that means you have to have cordial fucking like bolognese. Have cordial cordial bolognese. Beans. I don't because like baked beans. You should have just had baked beans. I don't like baked beans. Baked beans on toast. We had a lot of baked beans on toast. They we also had a lot of micro pizzas, microwave pizzas. And we used to do, because we also grew up poor as fuck. Um, but we used to do microwave cheese and tomato pizzas that were like, um, you'd get a pack of like 10 for a pound or whatever. Um, and they were like the size of, I don't know, like a side plate, but smaller than side of a sauce, size of a saucer type thing and size of a slice of bread. And you'd put them in the microwave and then you'd get two pieces of bread, like bread and butter or whatever. And then you would put a pizza that you've just put in the microwave between two pieces of bread and butter, and that would be dinner. It was amazing, actually. Weren't pizza we sandwich a sad was lot. amazing. No wonder, or no wonder fish finger sandwiches. We had fish finger sandwiches a lot. We had beans on toast a lot. My mum's going to listen to this and she's going to be like, "No, you didn't." And I'll be you like, had "Yes, we mother fluffing did." We should have opened with this. Want to avoid an argument? This is a HuffPost article from um, 2021, I think. But again, the reason I've pulled this up is because I saw a meme on this on Instagram again this week, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So this really reminds me of some advice I had from my mentor. But the headline is, want to avoid an argument? Ask, do you want comfort or solutions? Needless acrimony can be skirted by finding out directly if your partner wants advice or just someone to listen. I think if we had learnt this 13 years ago, it would have just changed the trajectory of so many of our arguments. This also really feeds into my mentor's advice, which I've written upon a post-it, which was name the conversation or label the conversation was how she said it. So, you know, when you're having a conversation with somebody, let them know, uh, I just need to vent right now. Or I don't actually need you to do anything. I just want you to listen. Or I'm really looking for advice. I don't know what to do. Can you help me work out some solutions? See, I had to learn that because I'm a mad fixer. So do you want comfort or solutions? And I am also... I tend to also be a mad fixer because I have the benefit of having a brain that sees patterns and a brain that is able to process massive amounts of information incredibly quickly and come out with that with that, you know, pretty good outputs. But my really close friends will know that I have had a horrible tendency to then jump to, okay, let's fix this. Let's get this sorted because obviously I wanted to try and help. Um, and over the last couple of years, I think I've got a couple of really good friends in Adelaide. Um, you know, they're, you know, people who are just, they've been my best friends for a very long time. We've been through a hell of a lot together. Um, but one of them went through something a couple of years ago and, you know, um, another one recently. And I sent an email and I was just like, look, you know, I'm here, let, you know, I'm, I'm happy to listen. And I put on there, and I promise I won't try to fix anything because one of the other ones had just been like, you know, sometimes you, you know, I just want you to listen. I had taken that on board. And so, you know, this kind of reminds me of that too. But I was just like, and then that person who had said that was just like, that's so cool that you actually acknowledged that that's what you need to do is just listen. And, you know, the wanting to help, wanting to fix things comes from that real desire, just like it is for you to help you don't want to see the people you love going through pain and you want to do what you can to fix it asking that question do you want me to just listen do you just want to vent or do you want me to help you find a solution or are you looking for advice do you want comfort or solutions to me like out of the two things i've talked about this is the one well, you, the you one. don't like metrics <laughs> metrics it should just be complaints why are we calling it metrics what about it is metrics anyway because sorry teak, i will teak just... doesn't sound the same <sighs> isn't that a name of like a tv or something tiak as you progress through your relationship and learning what you do and don't like and how to interact talk about it definitely talk about it in a way that's safe what i think is the big thing to be aware of 
if you are going through a late diagnosis with somebody, be prepared for things to change. And as the partner of a person going through late diagnosis, they might not be the same person post that diagnosis and post processing that diagnosis that they were before they got the diagnosis. And that could be for a myriad of reasons. They, they might be the same. They might be different for a while and then resettle. But the person you know, the person you met was the person they have been groomed to be. The person wearing the mask. And so if post-diagnosis they then choose to unmask in either partially or completely and very happy to talk more about masking if anybody ever wants that conversation but it might mean that the behaviors change they become a different person and they want different things and I'm not saying that to be the harbinger of doom but I think that as the neurotypical person you do have to take some of the responsibility for deciding if you want to change with them or accept the way they've changed. And I'll just, I argued with myself during that sentence I just said internally because it's like, oh, great, well, why should one person have to change for the other? And what I'd say to that is if somebody lost an arm, you would change for them. There would be things you would no longer expect them to take out the rubbish. You would no longer expect them to do things that required two arms. And so just because the diagnosis is of something invisible, just because it is a neurological change, it doesn't make the accommodations that you do need to make within your relationship any less important. And I think that's a really hard thing for people to sit with. It's hard for neurodivergent people to accept sometimes that actually they might need those accommodations. And it's hard, I think, for the partners to accept that, you know what, the person that I married or the person I'm engaged to or the person I'm in a relationship with may not be the same now. They may be a different person. And if you choose to change with them, then, you know, that's great. But it might also be something that you don't want to change to. And I think that's okay too, because your needs, you know, don't become any less than it is no different to every other change that happens as you evolve. It's just that it is. I think changes do happen. And if changes don't happen, then that's something I'd be more worried about because it means the person that is neurodivergent who has had this diagnosis is continuing to mask and not be their authentic self. So I think that's where I would leave that for today. Is there anything else that you would like you would say to that, Lockie? No, it's probably best just to leave it at that so eloquently put statement. Alrighty, so we will wrap it up there. They did get a bit heavy today. And, you know, if you're still with us, thank you. Um, we promise that next time we will take the therapy session to a trained professional. As always, do not uh, use anything we've said as a blueprint for your life. Um, hopefully that didn't get too awkward for anybody. If you are still with us, we would love you to join us on any of the socials. And where would they find those socials? Facebook, Twitter, don't use it, Instagram, what's the other one you TikTok. love? TikTok. TikTok. F them fish, ADHD for grown-ups, or on email, fthemfish at gmail.com. We absolutely appreciate you. We really enjoy you coming to, uh, to sit with us every fortnight, and we hope you continue to do so, uh, as we have actually got get this people we have actually booked the next what four or sessions, six something. recording yeah. sessions we have got uh rachel the ot she's going to come back we have got dr die coming back to another episode with us and also you heard it here first you Smitchy. heard about him on this episode on this podcast smitchy the dj is going to come and join us to do a music episode so they're the things we've got coming up over the next month or so and after that 
well, my parents are going to be here from the UK. So we're going to get my mum and potentially my dad, but definitely my mum who, uh, can, you know. I can see that episode being your mum talking a lot. is and genetic. your dad sitting here going, mm. Yes, Ellen. Mm. <laughs> mm. Let's get your dad to introduce the podcast because he'll be like, fuck them fish. <laughs> It will be fun. Um, yeah, so we are, we've got a lot coming up over the next couple of months and we're really, really excited for it. So we will look forward to having you there. As always, please rate wherever you listen. Please, you know, rate us. Uh, remember, five stars are the only stars. Um, and if you can put a few words with that rating, that's even better because it does help. We're not actually featured in any charts yet, which I found out the other day and died a little on the inside. Yes, please rate, share, tell the peoples and, uh, you know, thank you as always for joining us. We really do appreciate you. And keep sending through your questions because as you can hear, every topic has many elements to it. Like yeah. even when you look at relationships, there's so many facets of relationships. So if there's something specific that you want to know about, yeah, do it. Pack your popcorn and we can do it all again. I'm really awkward though about sex, so don't ask about that. Thanks very much. All right, someone do it now. No. Someone do it. I don't want to. All right. Thank you, everyone. We will see you in two weeks. Love you. Peace out, Brussels sprouts. Bye. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Ngunnawal and Yambri people, and we pay respect to Mother Earth, the footprints that came before us, the ones we follow now, and the footsteps that will guide us long into the future.